and welcome back to State of Mind with me, Grace Kingswell. I'm really excited about today's episode because as soon as I had finished recording it, I just knew that it was going to help so many of you. My guest today is Debbie Cotton from Invivo Healthcare. Debbie is a naturopath and vaginal microbiome expert. Invivo are my favourite supplement and testing company and their range of targeted nutraceuticals is superb and they have some of the finest tests on the market. The vaginal microbiome test is certainly one of those. I put the question to you lovely lot on social media of what do you want to know about the vaginal microbiome? And I got so many responses about thrush, UTIs, BV, fertility, Uh, different forms of contraception and so much more. So that's what we cover in this episode. It's essential listening if you have a vagina. Before we kick off, I just want to thank Key Kefir again for sponsoring this episode. And again, actually, it's really fitting. As you'll hear from Debbie, eating to support your gut microbiome has a knock-on effect on the vaginal microbiome too. Key make their kefir from milk farmed on regenerative pastures and they ferment it the traditional way. Don't assume that the kefir you buy in the supermarket will have any of the same amazing properties. Kefir is full of natural probiotics that support our gut health. To try Key Kefir's truly exceptional health drink, just go to their website and use the code SOM. 15, all in capitals, to get 15% off your first order and start your journey to optimal health. Just so you know, key kefir is spelt K-I, so it's not like the key that you put in a lock. Okay, on with the episode. Lovely. So welcome Debbie Cotton to the podcast. How are you doing today, Debbie? Yeah, good. Thank you, Grace. How about yourself? Yeah, really well and super excited to delve into this topic of the vaginal microbiome. Um, Before we get into all the questions, why don't you just give us a little bit of an introduction to you and what you do? Sure. So um, I am a naturopath, a psychotherapist, a herbalist, and uh, at the moment, the head of clinical education for Invivo Healthcare, which is a human microbiome company. Amazing. And um, I, yeah, I'm just thrilled to be talking to you because Invivo is one of the most fantastic supplement companies, testing uh, companies, as you say, human, human microbiome specialists. Um, and a big part of your product range focuses on the vagina. That's right. Um, the vaginal microbiome. <laughs> and One of my favourites. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this today. Now, I think most people listening to this podcast will be familiar with the term the gut microbiome. So first of all, basics, what is the vaginal microbiome? So every single little niche in your body has its own unique microbiome. So that's your left armpit, your nose, your gut, you know, everywhere in your body has a little unique community of microbes and that live there in harmony with you. So the vagina is no different. It has its own little unique community of microbes that live there. And most of them are what we call commensal bacteria. So they live there. They've evolved with us um, in harmony. They help us most of the time. We help them by giving them the food they need and giving them a lovely, you know, moist, dark environment that they like to live in. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a two-way thing that keeps both of us happy at, mo- at most points in our lives. So is the 
are the all these microbiome systems connected, I guess, would be my yes. next question. Yeah, micro, microbes can do this quite amazing thing of, well, first of all, they can kind of move around. You know, they're, they're mobile like us. They can move around. Um, but equally, they talk to each other and they talk to each other through something called quorum sensing, which is they are able to make um, little metabolites and, and proteins that can communicate like the kind of the internet of microbes, basically. Wow. So yes, they, they, are, they are connected, but they're also unique in where they like to live. So what's really important about microbes is their environment. So we can't look at them in isolation. We always have to look at them in what environment they're in. Mm. So there are certain strains of, of or certain different types of microbes that would prefer to live in our in our gut. And then there are certain strains that would prefer to live in the vaginal cavity, for example. Uh, absolutely. And yes, sometimes there's some crossover, you know, but the ones in the vagina are going to be in a... Um, a different balance in a different community and different strains are going to flourish in the vagina as opposed to the gut. Mm. And is that because of the different pH in the vagina? Because it's it's supposed to be quite an acidic environment, isn't it? That's right. The Well, the acidity of the vagina actually comes from the microbes. It's the microbes themselves that make that acidity. Um, the major reason is, you know, if you think about the vagina, it's a closed cavity, not much food goes in there. Whereas we put lots of food in the gut, there's lots of microbial exposure when we eat things, you know, so the gut is very diverse. It's got a very large kind of population base of microbes. When we think about the vagina, which is a nice, warm, dark place, it generally will grow a certain type of bacteria that like that environment. And the food that those particular bacteria get are generally from our own cervical mucus that we make. And that's often rich in glycogen, which lactobacilli really, really like, which is a type of bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so often the vaginal canal is not as diverse as we would see the gut, just because you know there's not as many food sources going in. Um, there's a small amount of diversity, but it's not as diverse. And you'll find that there's generally a dominant species that likes to live in the vagina. And and in most cases, it's lactobacilli, but not in all cases. It can be different for different cultural groups. Mm. So actually, one of the the questions I had um, from Instagram when I put this to the lovely people of the internet was, can you, because obviously we can eat to influence our gut bacteria. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions was, can you eat to influence your vaginal bacteria? Absolutely. Absolutely. Diet... You know, diet does play a role both in encouraging the growth of certain healthy microbes, but also on, you know, uh, reducing the growth of others as well. So what you've got to remember about um, the vagina is it's in quite close communication with our anus. So there is Mm -hmm. ability for translocation. So that means bacteria can, you know, pack their suitcases from the anus and move. Up, mm-hmm. up into the vagina. So there can be a little bit of that going on. But equally, what you've got to remember about your diet is that, you know, whatever you're eating, those bits and pieces and metabolites will whisk through your bloodstream and have an impact on other things like, um, you know, how your blood glucose balance is, how your insulin levels are, how your hormonal levels are. And all of that can also impact the vaginal microbiome. So there can be both direct and indirect effects around how your diet can impact your vagina. Mm, fascinating. And what about um, very obvious things that might upset that kind of harmony in the in the vaginal microbiome? Um, so the poor vaginal microbiome, obviously, you know, 
can be upset by um, things that we put in there is the first thing. So, you know, it, it could be um, – so being exposed to sexually transmitted diseases, for example, is a very common one that we're all aware of. So, And that's mm. generally a microbe that comes in and goes, wow, what a great environment. I'm going to take this over for my own gain mm-hmm. and then disrupts the rest of their healthy, happy commensals. And, you know, you might get rid of the STI, but you might be then left with an unhappy community that, you know, keeps manifesting different types of symptoms after that as well. Yeah. But we've also got things like cigarette smoking, so some of the toxins in cigarette smoke can actually make its way to the vagina and increase the risk of what we call bacterial vaginosis, which is um, a term we use for imbalance of the microbes of the vagina. It's not an infection per se. It's not like you've picked something up. It's more that the normal microbes in your bacteria have moved into a kind of um, community that's not happy anymore. So kind of some of the, st- the smaller bacteria have taken over. Mm-hmm. And this can result in symptoms and fishy smells and, uh, you know, sometimes pain and things as well. So that's kind of a common thing that can happen because of things like cigarette smoking. Um, The type of contraception you use or don't use, that can all have an impact as well. Um, If you use um, moon cups and things like this, if they're not being sterilised, all of these things can uh, create a, um, you know, an imbalance in the vaginal microbiome as well. Um, Diet, but also if you have other conditions such as type 2 diabetes or anything along these lines can also change your vaginal microbiome. And I guess one of the biggest ones as well is where you are in your life stage because our vaginal microbiome is different in children to a menstruating reproductive age woman to a menopausal woman. So it's just realising that actually there's a natural change that happens at those stages. Mm. But, of course, in those changes there is risk of dysbiosis happening as well. Mm. And I guess one major area as well would be washing. Oh, yeah. Washing the vagina with with soaps and things that just aren't really supposed to to be in there. Um which I think is a huge area of misinformation because there's so many, um, you know, specific uh, washes marketed at, at women and you think, oh, that must be good. Um, yes. Yeah, actually, your vagina is self-cleaning. It, it really, mm. really doesn't need soap, you know. So yeah. it's, yeah, um, they are just, you know, any any kind of things that are used up there should only be therapeutic for short-term interventions. There shouldn't be an there isn't a need to use soap or or things in your vagina. Okay. So you were talking about um, bacterial vaginosis there, BV. Mm -hmm. And actually, again, that came up so much in uh, questions from people. Mm -hmm. Um, BV is the kind of thing that um, once you've had it, it seems to reoccur. Mm -hmm. Same with thrush. You get thrush once and then it, it comes back. What is the mechanism there, Debbie? So they're, they're both, well, there's a similar mechanism and a different one in both. So let's start with the similarities, which is basically when you upset any microbiome, um, and that can be things through things like antibiotics as well, I failed to mention. Um, when you upset the balance of a microbiome and certain bacteria have grown in a certain pattern, if you can go ahead and you can knock out those bacteria or in the case of thrush, you can knock out the fungi, But if you don't help to repair the community, you're just leaving a gap 
where those bacteria will go, oh, fine, I'll just regrow again. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's really important always to think about microbes in an environment. So if the environment doesn't change, if you just go in and you knock out or nuke something without changing the environment, so that's without changing lifestyle, dietary stuff, or in some cases, you know, trying to repair the microbiome, it will have a really large chance of reoccurring. Mm, Okay. So when we talk about repairing the microbiome, are we talking about things like probiotics and now I think most people will know about probiotics and kind of gut health Mm -hmm. but um, maybe you can talk us through a little bit about some of the because I know Invivo has products that are specifically designed probiotics for the vaginal microbiome. That's right that's right so probiotics um, are sort of bacteria that are Uh, bacteria that are healthy that generally live with us and on us. And often when we think about probiotics, we think about healthy gut bacteria and we take them to um, generally as they move through our system and they're kind of, they're alive for a few weeks and hang around, they make different metabolites and those metabolites can impact how our immune system works, how our gut barrier works, how other Um, bacterial population growths are happening, so on and so forth. Now, when it comes to the vagina, it's a really, really similar principle. So taking probiotics orally, actually what they do is you're taking them and as they're moving through, they do make their way to the vagina. We see on testing that these specific strains that you take for the vagina make their way to the vagina. And when they're there, what they're doing is they're doing things to change the environment. So uh, especially a lot of lactobacilli, like lactobacillus crispatus or gasseri, um, these particular bacteria, when they get themselves into the vagina, they help to lower the pH. So they make the vagina nice and acidic. And a nice acidic vagina in the reproductive years stops other bacteria from overgrowing. So that's one of the major factors in where they work. They're trying to change the environment. So it stops the overgrowth of especially bacterial vaginosis associated bacteria. Um, Mm. And they're also, when they're in there, they're going to be making lots of metabolites that feed other bacteria, like your own healthy bacteria, and they're going to help to repair the community. So yes, Mm -hmm. probiotics are definitely a a superpower we have in our our arsenal now to help with a lot of vaginal conditions. Mm, Okay. So that's really interesting because actually I'd say the most common question coming up from people is tips to help prevent recurrent thrush. And that seems to be the main one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ways to naturally balance your vaginal microbiome. I keep getting thrush every couple of weeks. So we've spoken about um, specific strains of, of probiotics that can really help. And then you were mentioning also diet and lifestyle. And what other tips would you say um, would help there? So when it comes to diet and lifestyle, what's really important when it comes to recurrent thrush is to have a nice, balanced blood glucose level. Now, it's important not to remove sugar entirely from your diet. So we don't need you to go on any sort of take all fruit out of your diet or anything along those lines. Um, it, it is about, though, eating kind of minimally processed foods um, and kind of eating in a, such a way that you're not spiking your blood glucose levels because that can have a really big impact on the growth of fungus. Um, thrush is also will also grow in a very low immune environment. So if you're deficient in things like vitamin D, which a lot of us are here in the UK, mm-hmm. um, that can also be a risk factor for the recurrence of thrush happening time and time again. Mm-hmm. 
Um, also, it's thinking about what is your vagina coming into. A lot of times with thrush, it's it's local, so it's just we all carry a little bit of candida, but it's just that it gets that opportunity to bloom. So we want to think about what have we got in the area that uh, might be causing it to bloom. So is there an intrauterine device, for example, that's got a string that it might have been sticking to, so it keeps growing back, or um, is it that uh, maybe your sex toys, if you're using them, is it that you haven't sterilized them in between use because it can stick on that as well? Um, if you're having um, uh, sort of sex with someone that is uh, like a male, if you're having sex with a penis, um, you know, is that carrying candida? Like there are all sort mm. of possibilities where it's also, you might just, it might be within yourself, but there's also things you might be introducing mm-hmm. that might be waking it worse. Yep. But equally, those things you introduce, it might also be that it's just altering the kind of the balance in the pH. And it's just, again, it's just trying to encourage the lactobacilli to come back and to have Mm. a kind of a healthy vaginal microbiome. Yeah. And actually, I did have um, one question. And I Mm -hmm. love this because you keep answering them in in advance of me actually asking you the question. So it's brilliant. Um, A few people actually asking about uh, the coil, whether it be the copper coil or the hormonal coil, and whether that damages your your gut microbes, your sorry, your vaginal microbes. So it's interesting because some of the research is basically saying it shouldn't, but a lot of this sort of anecdotal and if you kind of read any websites, even GP ones on it, they say, you know, it's well known that, yes, it does. Um, and they do know that, yes, there can be a sticking, especially with the the copper coils and things like that, of the bacteria or um, fungus onto it at some stages. So if you um, – because what we – there's something called a biofilm, and this is where bacteria and fungi can live together in a community and they make such a tight community that even mm. when you're using antimicrobials and antifungals, it's very, very hard to kill them because they're all looking after each other. They make these yeah. linkages. And unfortunately, IUDs can be a bit of an issue with that. Equally, the copper one uh, may cause um, copper and zinc – uh, is a, which is another nutrient our body needs, has got a nice fine balance. And actually it might be important to really look at if you've got a copper coil, the amount of zinc you have in your body because it might be you just need a bit more zinc, mm-hmm. which is super important for the immune system and the health of your tissue in the vagina. And therefore, that might be causing a bit of an issue there as well. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Um, next topic Um, I love we're just powering through this. Does the vaginal microbiome affect your fertility? It can. It can. You know, the the clear cut thing around this is obviously sexually transmitted diseases. So we know, you know, things like chlamydia or um, gonorrhea, for example, can cause problems higher up than the vagina, generally in the Um, fallopian tubes and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. and they need to be treated for fertility but equally when we look at imbalances in the vagina um, and especially sort of more bacterial vaginosis related some of the bacteria associated with causing bacterial vaginosis in some cases can be associated with a longer time to fall pregnant Mm -hmm. and in some cases um it can increase the risk of sort of a miscarriage. Now, this doesn't mean if you have BV, you will have a miscarriage. So just, you know, there is an increased risk. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. I just want to kind of put Mm -hmm. that in there. Um, A lot of the research that's coming out now is more looking at instead of what, it's about what's not there. Um, And 
the lactobacilli presence in the vagina has been shown to be the most protective a of fertility but b of also what you know how we measure sort of healthy fertility outcomes which is preventing preterm births Mm -hmm. so having a good amount of lactobacilli in your vagina is generally very very protective of that and the great thing about that that can be highly influenced by your diet so eating lots of lactobacilli rich foods but also you know by probiotics as well mm-hmm. would you because i know people would be thinking there as you just said that would you be able to just give some examples of lactobacilli rich foods absolutely so if you're okay with dairy there's obviously um, a lot of the cultured yogurts are lactobacilli rich mm-hmm. so that's one of the major sources in kind of western world of lactobacilli but also all of your fermented foods are generally got lactococcus or lactobacilli lactobacilli in of some description. So we're thinking, you know, sauerkraut, kimchi, all of these different um, type of fermented pickles are generally a Mm -hmm. great way of also getting your um, lactobacilli in. And there's also the more groovy foods, isn't there, like um, what's it called, kefir and and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth as well. So these are all great things to be adding into your diet because they will basically help to, um, you know, just to top up your lactobacilli. Equally, what's important is remembering some of them will come from your gut. So all Mm -hmm. these foods are going to help your gut lactobacilli as well. And lactobacilli also need to eat, they need uh, what we call prebiotics. Um, And that's things such as, you know, green tea is a great prebiotic for lactobacilli. Um, as is, you know, different sort of fibres. So it's eating a really fibre-rich diet can be very important there as well. Mm. And could you, just thinking about lactobacilli, um, could you use something like an organic fermented yoghurt topically? Could you could you use that intravaginally to in, increase lactobacilli in the, the vaginal tract? So I've been a naturopath many years, so tried many things along the way. Um, so... But pre-having good quality probiotics that we can now use intravaginally, we used to try and use kind of yogurts on tampons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It is messy and a bit stinky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend these days just to use oral probiotics and I will either open the capsule if I want them opened or yep. some as long as it's a veggie cap. I'm kind of okay with putting that in your vagina. Now, obviously, it's often best to use something that's a pessary and and it's kind of for vaginal use, but you can use probiotics on your vagina, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I had one question about, uh, because I'm a really passionate sea swimmer and I post a lot about that on Instagram. I'm always in the ocean. And um, somebody has asked, um, not sure it's appropriate, but why sea swimming why is sea swimming giving me UTIs? Surely salt is good. Uh, salt theoretically should be good f- as an antibacterial, but what you might be having a bit of a problem there is either a disruption of the pH. So if you've got a change in the acid alkalinity of the um, vaginal environment, it might be acting as a reservoir for kind of bacterial vaginosis, which in itself can be a trigger for UTIs. Um mm-hmm. Equally, it's sometimes not the swimming itself, it's the getting in and out and how quickly you get dry afterwards. So it's not staying damp after getting out of the um, the pool or the, the sea or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so because that is actually also another kind of potential hotspot for kind of breeding to, mm. to be happening. Um, and again, it might just be working on building your lactobacilli in the area 
and looking at kind of um, how that can be a little bit more protective. You could also use a little bit of a barrier. So using a little bit of um, more on the vagina than the, uh, sorry, more on the vulva than the vagina. So um, you might also want to use a, um, you know, a bit of coconut oil or something along those lines to provide a little bit of a barrier. Mm, um, okay. But I was just going to say nothing's an inappropriate question when it comes to vaginas. Yeah. And so is it also important to get dry quickly after a bath or a shower? If it's a recurrent problem, yes. Not not mm. generally for most people, but yes, if it's a recurrent problem or I was talking to um, a group of women the other night that do a lot of exercise, like triathlons and things like that, and they're wearing a lot of lycra mm. and they have a, a tendency for a lot of sweat in the area. And, and obviously that can, again, change the pH. It can cause a bit of a, a breeding ground for, ground for microbes. So it's if you can wear cotton undies underneath, if you can change them as soon as possible after the gym or your run or mm-hmm. whatever it is you've done. Um, it's just that lycra is that lovely breeding ground of trapping in moisture and bacteria, basically. Yeah, and we have this kind of culture these days, don't we, of, of everything done in active wear. Yeah. Um, and women are wearing a lot of lycra. Um, so actually, should we just talk quickly about UTIs? Because sure. we've, we've kind of explained what BV is and we've kind of explained what thrush is and the difference between the two, but also the similarities. How does the picture of UTIs play into that? Because quite often it's, it's two at once, isn't it? Or it's a UTI mm-hmm. and then it's thrush and then they both come back and one thing triggers one and one thing triggers another, but it kind of come in conjunction. So what's firstly the difference and, and kind of what's going on there with, with recurrent UTIs? So... Urinary tract infections can start, especially recurrent ones, there's pretty much two different ways that the bacteria can be there. So one is what we call an ascending infection. So the little blighters climb up from your vulva or vagina and they climb up the kind of urethra, which is the tube that you pee out of, up into your bladder and set up a a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of getting infections is, is that sort of translocation or the movement of bacteria going oh, hey, this is a great place to live. I'm going to move up and do that. And so that's where kind of the vagina can be a a bit of a reservoir of bacteria that as soon as your immune system drops low enough or as soon as there's a little bit of trauma to the area, say after sex or something along those lines, that it decides to, to, you know, take advantage of that and climb itself up. Another trigger of UTIs is actually what we've discovered now is the bladder itself has its own microbiome. And generally, most of the time, it should be quite a healthy one. Um, But some bacteria such as E. coli, for example, what they can do is they kind of will, if there's not much food or much not much going on for them, what they'll do is they'll hide behind sort of the cells of the bladder and just not do much. Mm -hmm. And as soon as your immune system drops in the area, so that could be A, you're a bit stressed in general, B, your vagina, maybe you've got, you know, you're coming onto your period and you've got a little bit of BV, which disrupts the immune system in the area. Mm-hmm. Any kind of opportunity where the the kind of the E. coli can bypass the immune system, basically, it will then come out of the bladder and start a flare. Mm. So this is another reason where sort of if you have BV, it might not necessarily be translocation, mm. you know, things moving. It might just be just generally in the area, it's disrupting the immune system and an opportunistic kind of E. coli living there or, or another type of bacteria can go, oh, great, I'm going to 
have a field day. Okay. So that's where you can often get that link. And why is it, um, because you mentioned there briefly about periods, why is it that women are suffering mainly with these things kind of around their periods? If they're going to, if they're going to crop up, they're going to, you know, reoccur. It tends to be around the menstrual cycle. Yeah, generally, one of the most important things around the menstrual cycle is that so, um, like I mentioned before, lactobacilli, which is the healthy guys that live in our vagina, well, dudes, I should say, um, they um, like to be fed by glycogen and we make glycogen in our cervical mucus. Now, you may have noticed that over the period of your month, your cervical mucus changes and it mm. will be thicker around ovulation and it will be much thinner coming up to your period. The reason so this for, is your discharge. Your discharge, yep. So, um, and this is your normal discharge that your body makes. Mm -hmm. Now, that discharge is really important for feeding the healthy guys. So, as you get closer to your period, generally what happens is the estrogen levels in your body drop as we are about to kind of, you know, come onto our bleed. Mm -hmm. And estrogen is really important for making that mucus and putting lots of glycogen in it, which is the food source for lactobacilli. So in other words, you've got a little window of time where if you if your lactobacilli or your healthy bacteria are not that strong, you might have a few of them enough to cope throughout the month, but then there's this little window where there's not enough food around, so they drop in numbers a bit. And the other opportunistic bacteria just waiting in the wings just go, woohoo, I can party now and mm -hmm. that's where the you can have a breakthrough a bv or, or thrush or whatever it might be so it's generally a lot of that linkage is to do with that process mm -hmm. um equally thrush can it can kind of grow at different points depending on estrogen levels as well so mm. So I guess then supporting that mechanism, we again come back to feeding the good guys, looking yep. at diet, looking at lifestyle, perhaps using, I mean, would you would you use some specific probiotics perhaps around that time of the month if you're someone that's susceptible to kind of re recurrent thrush or BV around your period? Absolutely. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't just do it at that time of the month. I would do it throughout the month for a couple of months yep. to bring your community back to normal to stop that risk from happening. Um, and also I would look to your hormonal sort of um, balance in general. Mm -hmm. So that would be, again, thinking about eating well, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, making sure that you're getting enough nutrients for things like your thyroid to be working, so plenty of iodine and other things in your diet. Mm -hmm. um, it's making sure, you know, that you've not got any disruptions externally to your hormones that could be an issue from uh, different kind of chemicals or toxins and that sort of thing as well. So yeah. it's also sometimes zooming out from the vagina and thinking about, oh, hang on, is this more of a sign? Yes, my vagina is imbalanced and I can fix that microbiome a bit, but actually what is that trying to tell me about mm. the rest of my hormonal picture? Yeah. And that's what might need a little bit more work, basically. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, a few questions as well about a few questions as well about sex. And yep. we did mention earlier I think you were saying sometimes if you're if you're having sex with a penis and the sperm coming out of that penis is a little bit thrushy or it has a bit of that issue in itself because let's not forget men can have thrush too. Yep. Um but but generally speaking then um what impact does sex have on the vaginal microbiome? Does it alter it um just trans um you know 
what's the word I'm looking for? Transit transiently? Yeah. Or does it does it make kind of lasting impacts on, on the ecology of, of those bacteria? Generally it's a transient impact. So it and the impact is actually often more to do with the pH altering that happens post-sex. Mm-hmm. So generally our pH can become more alkaline post-sex, especially when exposed to sperm. Um, but also uh, saliva um, can mm-hmm. also do that as well. So, and it, if you, again, are just on that cusp, so you've got a, a bit of a balance but not a great balance, you get a little bit too alkaline around that that time, then something can flare up again mm. basically, okay. especially when it comes to BV. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it can be that, you know, penis or fingers or something might be introducing microbes, but actually half the time it's not so much that, it's more that it's altering the pH. Mm, Okay. And why are we told to have a wee after having sex? Basically to make sure anything that accidentally got pushed up the urethra gets pushed back down again. (laughs) So as we're, when we were talking about UTIs earlier, um, you know, one of the great ways to push bacteria where they shouldn't be is, is obviously, you know, sex mm. it's, it's, it's going to push them up there so just weeing makes it a one-way valve and make sure yeah. they all get washed out so. and I guess with UTIs that's why you have that urgency to urinate all the time because the body's trying to flush yeah. out that bacteria right yeah absolutely yeah amazing um I think I've covered most of the questions. I did have one actually, and again, we touched on this a little bit before about changes when you, you know, you're you kind of over the age of 40 or you're, mm-hmm. you're nearing that perimenopausal stage. What would we be seeing around that change of life? Sure. So kind of in perimenopause into menopause, what happens is the vagina moves away from being lactobacilli dominant so much Mm -hmm. and more goes back to what it would have been in a childlike state. It's different, but it kind of becomes a little bit more diverse. So there's not sort of one dominant strain so much. There's a little bit more diversity and generally it becomes a little bit more alkaline. So the other problem around menopause that can occur is because of the lack of estrogen, estrogen is really important for maintaining how subtle our um, vaginal skin is, our vaginal epithelium. Mm -hmm. And so it's more prone to breaking and therefore it's more prone to kind of setting up a little infection like thrush, you know, because it can get. So it's just being aware that, you know, in that period of time, what's important is there will be a transition, there will be less discharge because there's less estrogen and the tissues will be a little bit weaker. So we want to concentrate on kind of dietary patterns and nutrients that are really important for our vaginal repair Mm -hmm. or skin repair in general. So vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin E. Uh, things like omega-3 fatty acids and omega-7 fatty acids because that's found in um, fish oil or in sea buckthorn. Um, And these things can all help kind of keep it quite supple Mm. in the area as well. And, again, a little bit of lactobacilli is going to do you a really lot of good there. You know, you might not have the same lactobacilli dominance as you do in reproductive years, but a little bit of lactobacilli will hopefully help you keep on top of any UTIs or thrush or anything that might want to try and break through at that time. Okay, lovely. And I promise final question. That's okay. Um, you can keep up. <laughs> this is just, it's so great. I'm loving it. Um, so we've, we've talked about how all the different microbiomes in our body are connected. I had one mm-hmm. question. Um, can you just have dysbiosis in the vagina without the gut being affected? Now, obviously thinking about that kind of 
not the sort of domino effect, but I guess the fact that, you know, the gut comes before the vagina mm-hmm. and that things may be traveling down. Um, yeah, I guess, can you just have um, vaginal dysbiosis and, and a totally robust and, and fine, healthy gut bacteria microbiome? So this is a bit of a philosophical question because basically with a gut microbiome or any microbiome, we don't know, we know kind of the majority of what's healthy, but we don't know exactly what's healthy. So I would say, you know, there there is always room for improvement in the gut. There's always room for improvement in any microbiota. Mm -hmm. Um, And generally what we're looking for is in the gut an increased diversity so that we've got lots of different bacteria that are getting fed. But yes, you could just have no gut symptoms and just vaginal symptoms, but we would still probably work with prebiotics and probiotics, which are going to help your gut anyway, Mm -hmm. just by nature of what they are orally to try and help your vagina because, you know, that is often the best way of trying to encourage changes. Mm. But equally, lots of you can do lots of kind of local interventions as, as well. Um, so, you know, it can be a combination of both. Yeah, okay. Um, and I guess the, the important thing to also just briefly touch on um, before we round up is that we've spoken a lot about um, specific strains of probiotics that can be really helpful and, you know, things that you can do. And now, obviously, everyone listening, you heard that Debbie works at this fantastic company called Invivo. And anyone that's listening that's a client of mine will probably at one stage have been on um, some supplement from Invivo. Now, at the moment, am I right in saying that you aren't able you're not selling directly to consumers but it, that it is something that you're looking at doing because I'm sure having listened to this episode there'll be women out there thinking I really want to order that probiotic I really want to you know try this etc so um all of our sort of s- supplement range is actually we we generally recommend going to a practitioner only because they're going to help you to kind of un- really look at the triggering factors in general mm-hmm. you know so that's one of the reasons we often encourage that to happen equally though um our supplement ranges are available through um places like Planet Organic mm-hmm. and the drugstore. So there are some places where you can actually pick them up yourself yep. as well. Okay. But we do encourage you, like I said, to to even reach out to your practitioner and kind of go, do you think this will be suitable for me? Um, we have got three different probiotics, one kind of one more for thrush, one more for UTIs and one more for BV and general um, vaginal kind of health. So it would be help in choosing those. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing, obviously, we do here at Envivo is vaginal testing. And all of that is through a practitioner only, again, because they just need a lot of context and quite a bit of interpretation. And I think it's just so wonderful to have a guide to be able to guide you through your vaginal microbiome because often test results can look scary if they're not kind of taken into context of what's going on so we're really big advocates here for knowing your microbes Mm -hmm. for testing to see what's there because we have so many cases of women treating themselves for thrush and actually they've got you know aerobic vaginitis or they've got bacterial vaginitis and so it's just kind of when you know you've got power and you can and you can choose things differently but we definitely think you need a good microbiome guide in the area just to get you started yeah definitely and that vaginal ecologics is a great test um so yeah if, if this 
podcast has resonated with you, then do reach out to a practitioner, myself or anyone, you know, working with nutritional therapy or functional medicine. Um, or I guess reach out to Invivo directly and they can make recommendations, I'm sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. We can kind of let you know who's in your area that might be using our tests. But yeah. I would highly recommend you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Um, okay, so I think we've covered... I think I'm so excited about this episode because I think it's going to be so useful for just the thousands of people that are going to listen. So I can't thank you enough for um, sharing your time with us this morning, Debbie. Any final salient, very important points that you feel like I haven't touched on that you want people to know? Um, well, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you something for your readers, um, basically, or listeners, I should say, Grace, mm -hmm. that, you know, about, you know, easy, quick wins that they can do for their vaginal microbiome that you can share with them. But equally, I just think it's we don't talk about vaginas enough. So if you are ever concerned about anything to do with your vagina, with your vaginal symptoms, have a chat to someone. And if they're, if they're grossed out, you're chatting to the wrong person. You know, yeah. it's, it's move on and find someone that um, really cares because, at, you know, half of this planet has a vagina. It's really important that we talk about these things. Mm. It's really important that we advocate for the health of each other. Um, so please, please, if you have any issues at all, please do reach out to someone that you feel trusted. Um, you know, chat to your GP, chat to a functional medicine practitioner, chat to mm -hmm. a nutritional therapist. And, you know, yes, your pharmacist is going to help you with quick fixes, but they're not going to be the long-term fix. You might need to look at it in light of a bigger situation. Mm, so, An amazing point to end on. Um, thank you so much, Debbie. My pleasure. Thank you so much again for tuning into State of Mind. I really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it's vital listening for so many of us. If you did enjoy it, please do share it to your Instagram stories or just tell your friends or leave a review on the Apple Podcast app as everything helps. Thanks so much and I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.